1: And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call. Tonight, your Indiana Hoosiers took down the Iowa Hawkeyes 77-64 to to give Archie Miller the first Big Ten win of his IU career. Certainly will not be the last, and it was a game that featured uh, some pretty big runs by both teams. IU closed the first half on a huge run to build a 15-point lead going into the break, and Iowa came out on fire to start the second half, uh, shaving 14 points off of that lead within the first four minutes. Uh, IU subsequently ripped off an 18-0 run to really put the game away, uh, culminating in a Josh McRoberts, or a Zach McRoberts runner uh, that put IU up 21, which I think was the biggest lead of the game. So uh, definitely a game of runs, but an interesting game, and and a lot of good things came out of it for IU. I'm your host, Andy Bottoms, here with Ryan Phillips, and we will break it all down for you on this edition of the Assembly Call IU postgame show. And let's start tonight's show as we start every show, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. Uh, this was actually kind of difficult. I thought there were a lot of big moments in the game, but I'm gonna I'm gonna single out in the second half when Iowa did get the lead down to one, uh, and and you know the guy who has really you know done his best to carry IU uh, in recent games really kept IU in the game single-handedly against Michigan, uh, and that being Juwan Morgan uh, came back, came up with an offensive rebound, got fouled, went to the line and made both free throws. To put IU up three. Iowa scored again on the other end. Morgan did the same thing and and uh, finished a three-point play to put IU back up four. Uh, I think Iowa got it down to two immediately after that, and then and then not long thereafter is when they had the run. So uh, just another time for me that that Juwan Morgan you know, really put the team on his back in a, in a time when they needed somebody to step up and make a basket. Uh, he ended up leading the team in scoring. Uh, again, tonight had 15 points, 10 rebounds four of those on the offensive end. Uh, and really just continued to be incredibly active on on both ends of the floor. I thought he played really well, it was one of a number of guys who played well. But uh when this team really needed somebody to stem the tide up and did that. And so uh that's that for me was the banner moment. But again, I think we'll get to a lot of moments and a lot of players who had uh who had good moments in, in this game and, and I thought uh at one where IU uh did a lot to to kind of erase how how they played against Michigan, although that early stretch in the second half was was somewhat reminiscent but uh Juwan helped pull him out of it. And I thought again, they got really good leadership from him and, and Colin Hartman in particular uh, in the front court. And the banner moment, as always, is brought to you by our friends at Hoosier Proud, an Indiana-based t-shirt and apparel company that is by Hoosiers for Hoosiers. So why should you check out their website, HoosierProud.com? Well, here are three good reasons. Number one, their designs. Hoosier Proud is officially licensed IU gear, as well a bunch of really cool and interesting designs that are inspired by unique elements of the Hoosier State. Plus, they are the official provider of our assembly call logo shirts. Uh, I know I can tell you that I did order, uh, Jared and I mentioned this on one of the shows around around Black Friday that I ordered uh, one of their script Indiana shirts, uh, got it within a couple days and uh, really comfortable, really high quality shirt and was, uh, you know, excited to be able to, uh, to buy something else from Connor and the guys at Who's Your Proud. Number two, their philanthropy. Who's uh, Your Proud donates a portion of the revenue from their t-shirt sales to specific Indiana-based charities. And the number three reason to visit HoosierProud.com, their generosity. As an assembly call listener, you get 15% off of your entire order. Just use the promo code assembly at checkout. Check them out again at com. All right, it's time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team, which tonight is just one man, as it's a a two-man show tonight with Ryan and I. So uh, I bring to you Ryan's rant brought to us by thebiglead.com. Ryan, what was your rant from the game tonight? You know,
2: I, I if I was going to do an anger rant, it would be the way they came out at halftime. And it looked like it was heading that direction for a while that I would have to do something negative um, because Indiana had that big lead at halftime. And, you know, let it get down to one point, but uh, it was the score was 43-42 with sixteen oh four to go in the game after Indiana had had a fifteen point lead um, and Iowa just cut into it huge uh, by the three oh six mark it was seventy seven fifty five Indiana that's a thirty four to seven run over the next thirteen minutes and, and what Indiana did and the way they did it was on the defensive end and rebounding they did not let Iowa get wide open looks they did not let Iowa get. Um, you know, drives to the basket when they did go into the post, they contested. Um, I thought that they just, and, and they also, they rebounded, they out rebounded Iowa 47, 42. Um, and a lot of that was positioning. You, you could just see they were out positioning Iowa. Um, they put a lot of pressure on the perimeter as well. They caused 18 turnovers while Indiana only had 10 in this game, which is 10 is sort of hovering right around where Indiana has been most of the last couple weeks. Um, <clears throat> Which look, it, there's still some work to be done there because a few of those turnovers were kind of inexcusable. But at the same time, the improvement from last year is such that it, it's kind of you're giving them a little bit of a grace period here to get even better. Uh, but I thought that that the way Indiana handled itself after Iowa got the game close, they started pounding the ball inside, they started driving and kicking, they started playing through the paint, doing all those things that Archie Miller, you know, preaches. And then a couple, you know, they got a couple open looks from three too. There was a nice screen and roll, or screen and pop by Hartman to get open on the perimeter. He knocked down a three. Uh, everybody sort of crashed into the paint on one play, and uh, Josh Newkirk was wide open for a straight on three and nailed it. And I'm starting to feel very confident with Newkirk taking that straight on three. That that seems to be his look, and uh, you know he's hitting those. Um, and and I, I thought, you know, even with a shaky performance from the free throw line again. 15 to 23, 65%. I still thought that they played solid enough all the way around to, to get some things done. Deron Davis, it's clearly in his head at the free throw line, and we'll talk about that. I'm sure he's got to get that cleaned up, uh, even airballed one tonight. But at the same time, the rest of his game was fantastic. He was uh, a guy that Indiana could rely on inside, and and really, Iowa had no answer for he or Jawan Morgan. So I think just that run in the second half showed, hey, you know what? This team can make some mistakes, They can get into some bad play, and when they do that, it's so clear the difference between what Archie Miller wants and what they're doing that Archie Miller can call a timeout and say, "All right, now play my. You played your way. Now play my way, and watch what they do when they play his way." And and you know they ran Iowa off the floor. This final score was not indicative of how uh, how much of an easy win this was for Indiana after they started playing well.
1: Yeah, I think Iowa scored the last nine to to make it the margin that it ended up being. And I, I agree with what you said about the defense. I thought in the first half, in particular, and then and then again in the second half, that that stretch in the first half, they forced a lot of consecutive turnovers to a point when I, I tweeted out that I would just shot just so they wouldn't turn the ball over. And and that really, I guess in in contrast to teams of the of these last few years that seem to draw their defensive confidence from how they were shooting the ball period of time they took great pride in how they were playing defensively and it really translated into being effective on the offensive end and uh they they went got away from that at the beginning of the second half gave up a lot of wide open threes but they got back to what they were doing well uh in that middle part of the second half and they really uh started to build the lead back up well Seriously? it's funny because oh, go
2: ahead. Oh, let me just jump in real quick before I interrupt you as always um <laughs> before or i guess like last year we would see a lot of five minute stretches of good defense. And then the rest of the game will be bad, you know, and we kind of be like, Whoa, a five minute stretch of good defense, huh? But I feel like this year, the five minute stretch is the other way, you know, and it's, it's really is a lot of periods of great defense. And, and I think that everybody's really appreciative of, of what they're getting out of this team from that end.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You're listening to the assembly call IU post game show. I'm Andy Bottoms here with Ryan Phillips, breaking down Indiana's 77, 64 win over Iowa. Uh, Ryan, you touched on Duran Davis. There's a couple of the guys I wanted to get to before we hit the first break because I thought they both deserved it. So we'll touch on Duran first because, uh, you know, you, you brought him up and I thought uh, was another guy that in the midst of that run uh, in the second half, I think it started when he came back on the floor and they really focused on getting him the ball. Uh, and he and he responded. He finished better around the rim. He did, you know, he struggled there earlier in the game. The free throw shooting, as you mentioned, uh, seldom is there a game when you are able to both airball and bank in a free throw? Um so yeah, I, no, think that's that really hit- much, I think that pretty much they got pretty much tells you where he's at at this point from the That's hitting line. like the
2: that's hitting like the 5th grade hitting for the 5th grade basketball cycle right
1: there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But I thought he did really well during that stretch was the recipient of a couple really nice passes from Colin Hartman. Um but did better finishing around the rim in that stretch. even had the steal where he went coast to coast and I was just hoping that he wouldn't careen into the fourth row when he uh when he got fouled there. But I thought he played really well in that stretch. I thought the difference was for me was it, you know, one of the reasons that that he struggled against Michigan was partly because he was he he had so much trouble on the defensive end. But the other part was IU wasn't able to offset that by really force feeding him the ball. And at that, and it got to a point against Michigan where it was like you just you literally could not have him on the floor because he what you weren't taking advantage of the of the strengths that he had and the advantage that he brought to the game. And he was just getting torched on the other end. And I thought that tonight he played better defensively. There were more obvious matchups for him but I thought IU did a better job of really getting him involved to a point where even if he was going to give up some buckets on the other end, you knew that he was going to be able to contribute because they were so intent on getting him the ball.
2: Yeah. I mean, look, I I thought that, that there were stretches where everybody was a little bit off defensively, but I think that, I think that for the most part, he did a solid job and he's just got to defend without fouling. I think that's, that's, it for him like what he has to do like he's going to have some tough matchups this year defensively Um, but if he can stay in there and just sort of be a pest without fouling I think that he can be fine because I think on the other end of the floor he's going to make up for anything he loses and, and I think that also he's still getting used to his body I mean that that is you know it's a different thing not carrying that kind of weight and not being able to maybe just use your strength to body people off the block and things like that and having to actually be a smarter defender and maybe being a little quicker. So uh, I I think that What worked for Duran tonight was, as you said, when they started force feeding him the ball. Even early, they were getting the ball, but he wasn't really in great position to score. And he started kicking out or passing across the block or finding open guys. And I think that he helped the offense work there. And so I think that it's, you know, the key is going to be for him to recognize the double team because people are going to throw that at him a lot, recognize where it's coming from and where the open guy is and, and moving the ball, um, you know, and punish them for double teaming him because eventually if they, if he keep if Indiana keeps punishing teams for doubling the post, other guys are going to be open and they're going to, they're going to find ways to get open.
1: Yeah. He, uh, you know, he finished the game with no fouls at all, which, uh, I think I, when I wrote the, the post team yeah. email, after the Michigan game, he had had at least three in, in all but one game uh, to that point. So uh, that was, that was definitely a positive had four blocks to your point was active in that regard on the defensive end and ended up with 13 points and six rebounds in 18 minutes. It's just a matter of how they can, how they can play him in stretches and allow him to be effective because they need him to play more minutes than, than just 18. But um, yeah, no. And, and, know, and also I, thought,
2: I think this is an awkward matchup for him though. I mean, as you said, like Iowa's got more stringy quick, Big guys who'd like to get up and down the floor. That's more of a Jawan Morgan task, I think, defensively, as as you sort of pointed out. Um, And that's why I think you saw Colin Hartman in the post a lot more defensively. Um, And then Zach McRoberts came in and played some there, too, as well. Um, So I think it was... Yeah, you're right. It was a little different and a little awkward fit for him, but at the same time, uh, he made it work and, and he was very efficient offensively when he was in there. I mean, 18 minutes to get 13 points and take 11 shots is, uh, is very efficient, especially considering he went to the, he went to the, um, to the free throw line nine times.
1: Yeah. I mean, I actually thought tonight's matchup was, was a little better for him than the Michigan game. I think like playing against against Wagner in the Michigan offense is like his own personal hell, I feel like. So Um, yeah, yeah, that was better when they had, at least when they had like pencil in, who's a little bit more of a back of the basket guy. And And he only played
2: 18 minutes for Iowa. So
1: yeah. Yeah. I thought that was positive. So, um, the other guy I wanted to touch on was Colin Hartman. Um, he was again, take, take whatever you want from plus minus for a single game. He was plus 29 in 20 minutes of action, 13 points, five rebounds, two assists. I actually would have guessed he had more assists than that. No, no turnovers and a steal um I, he just made the two passes i remember well i think that's why i thought there was more but the two feats to jaron davis during that stretch in the second half were fantastic and he really could have had more points he got a lot of open looks in the in the first half that uh i think iu fans will will take uh all day long for him to be able to get the kinds of open looks they saw and he knocked him down uh in the second half i thought really battled uh, on the glass you know took took down a one-handed rebound at one point and and turn the rebounds into fast break opportunities for IU a couple of times when he would take the rebound off the board and start pushing the ball off the floor. Um, just thought it was a really, really good game from him. And all the, you know, hashtag Colin Hartman things that you want to throw in there uh, were in play for him tonight. So what uh, overall thoughts from you on Colin's performance?
2: yeah look he's a guy who just gets everybody together and galen and i talked about this on on saturday uh even after the michigan game It's just like it's almost like he's a dad out there and the team doesn't want to disappoint him you know when he gets in there it's not it's not that they're afraid he'll be angry it's that they're afraid they'll disappoint him and and you know he knows what he's doing i will say you made a great um you made a great point about him pushing the ball. He and Jawan Morgan can both do that off a rebound, is push the ball up the floor. Uh, they've done that before. They, they're decent ball handlers. You know, maybe they're not going to go coast to coast, but they can get it up the floor, put the pressure on the defense, and somebody to come up and stop the ball, and that spaces things out and, and, and gets other guys open. So it's it's a real luxury to have that with two guys like that. And apparently, Deron Davis can do it too. <laughs> Although, you know, I hope we don't see that too much this year. But uh, yeah. Deron, Deron running the floor that. That reminded me of the one time that I I remember one time Shaq got a rebound with the Lakers and led the break, and I was just kind of like, oh God, oh God, oh God, the entire Yeah,
1: that's exactly what I was saying as Jerron was dribbling down the floor in my living room. So yeah, I think it was was eerily similar to what you're describing there for sure.
2: Uh, but you know that was—it's it, nice to have multiple guys who can grab a rebound, get on the break, because Archie Miller said he wants to play fast and he wants to score in transition. Um, obviously, it's not the same offense as last year, where it's based almost solely on getting up the floor fast and getting into the offense. But you know, if you can get easy buckets in transition, that's great. And you saw guys like Newkirk, and that's why guard rebounds are so important. You saw Newkirk, Robert Johnson, uh, Morgan, and 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 um and hartman all being able to grab a rebound and go tonight i thought that was that was a big deal
1: yep all right coming up on the assembly call i'll point out today's meaningful moment you might have missed then we'll go inside the numbers all that when we come back on the assembly call stick with us
0: hey just a real quick note here the next time that you are going to shop online for iu gear use the URL iustore.shop. That will take you to the official IU online store where they have anything you could possibly want. Candy stripe pants, the Script Indiana warm-up shirt, all kinds of IU gear. And that URL, iustore.shop, is actually our affiliate URL. So when you use it and buy something, we get paid a commission. So it's a great way for you to shop for the IU gear that you need and to support the assembly call at the same time. Again, the URL is iustore.shop. Please bookmark it and use it the next time you're looking to buy IU gear. We appreciate it. Now back to the show.
1: All right, you're listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm Andy Bottoms here with Ryan Phillips, and we are breaking down Indiana's 77-64 win over Iowa uh, and tonight's uh, meaningful moment that you might have missed there. There are a few that I had here, so I don't want to, you know, give like six. Uh, so maybe I'll only give four. No, there were, there were a couple that uh, there were a couple that stood out. I think one uh, I'll bring this one up first, just because of, uh, uh, we just got done talking about Colin Hartman. I thought you saw a lot more uh, kind of outward shows of emotion from him at various points during the game. Um, really a couple of times when they went to timeouts, um, you know, you know, pumping his fist and, and just, just more demonstrative maybe isn't the right word, but then what we've seen from him in the past, I thought that really, um, you know, spoke to his intensity level and he really carried that forward into the game. And I think, you know, to a certain extent I'll tie in one of the other moments I saw, this was truly a moment that some people might've missed. It was in the first half. Uh, I will player got the ball on the wing for what would have been a wide open three guy made a really nice closeout. Didn't jump at him. And like the entire bench in, in unison was like clapping uh, at how good the play was and just kind of was cool to me to see one everybody recognized the the good play that was made and two just how into the game that they were and and kind of supporting one another so uh it was it was interesting because they all just like at the same time six or seven guys right in a row started clapping I thought that you know was a good show of you know togetherness and some of those kinds of things and and you know I think that's what you need to see because this isn't a team that's going to overwhelm anybody I think uh you know physically or just from a sheer talent standpoint so that kind of togetherness that the, the guys showed on the bench and the emotion that Hartman uh, showed on the court, I think, become increasingly important for a team like IU's. Uh, Ryan, any moments that uh, stood out to you?
2: Uh, you know, I, I thought one of my one of I thought the biggest moments, and and it was um, when, and I don't remember when this was in the second half. I don't remember exactly, but Jawan Morgan battled for a rebound, mistimed his jump, caught it, and then laid it in with some spin on it. I'm not sure exactly when this time was because Jawan, you know, had such a nice night, uh, but he kind of like battled for an offensive rebound and outworked three Iowa players in there, managed to get the ball right back up, spun it off the backboard and in. And I think that was kind of like that felt like closing the door. And that felt like, okay, no, this is Indiana's game because Juwan Morgan's not gonna not gonna let that kind of thing go and and, you know to the free throw line i don't remember if he made the shot or not but i I just remember uh i was cheering so loud i kind of passed out so i missed the next few minutes but no i uh i uh no i I, that just would that was indicative of what Juwan morgan can do for this team and um and also a great moment was justin smith almost getting that amazing dunk you know i swear to god indiana is they're the kings of the almost incredible dunk i swear it's (laughs) it like there've been about four or five times we've seen that but um yeah i thought that Juwan morgan just outworking everybody you know it's not that he's that much taller than everybody it's not that he's that much more athletic he just works harder than other guys when he's on and you're starting to see him assert himself as possibly the leader of this indiana team not necessarily from a vocal standpoint like i think colin hartman is but just from a you know from a guy you can rely on standpoint, and I think he and Hartman are really are really filling that role. And and you know, a guy that we we probably thought would have that role is Robert Johnson, and we haven't seen that yet. So maybe he's the next guy to sort of come up to speed and 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 get to that level. Um, but Juwan Morgan and and Hartman are just guys you can rely on right now. You know, they're going to be there. You know, they're going to play their tails off, and you know, they're going to do the right things and be in the right places.
1: Yeah, I think that theme of of the older guys, uh, the the veterans being. More established as leaders and being, um, you know, kind of game in and game out. Guys, we talk about that played really well uh, has been a good theme to emerge over these last handful of games. Even though the Michigan game was not, not one we want to talk a whole lot about, but I think that that trend continued there, uh, and I thought that was it, it continues to be a positive thing for the team. Uh, one of the other moments, this was not certainly nobody missed this, but it, it probably in in light of how the second half went, um, maybe it was forgotten a little bit. But that was a play at the end of the first half when. Uh, IU gets a steal. Newkirk, you know, runs down, misses the layup, prompting multiple people to, you know, fire off angry, angry tweets into the mentions of the Assembly Call account. But uh, you know, Al Durham runs the floor, doesn't give up on the play, doesn't just assume the clock is going to run out, and is there for the putback uh, as time expires. I thought that was just emblematic of the way that IU played during that stretch to build that lead. Unfortunately, they didn't come out and play with that same intensity to start the second half. But I thought that play, um, you know, for a young guy, would have been easy to just. Uh, you know, kind of back off and let it happen. But, uh, you know, kudos to him for really running that down. A great hustle play and uh, really energized things even further going into the locker room. It's probably one of those where they could have used like a three-minute halftime and just come right back out and uh, and had at it there. But that did not happen. So those were the moments uh, from my perspective.
2: Yeah, I thought I thought that was uh, a great play. Just hu- just straight hustle from, from Al Durham when everybody else was standing around.
1: Yep, exactly. Exactly. I mean, the Iowa players had kind of given up on it and he just ran past everybody. So, uh, another great play from him one of one of many that it feels like he's uh, he's putting on his highlight reel for the for the season you're listening to the assembly call iu postgame show i'm andy bottoms here with ryan phillips breaking down indiana's 77 to 64 win over iowa and now it's time to go inside the numbers uh you know w- when you step back and look at this uh another game where iu allowed an opponent to shoot over 40 percent from three-point range but that's just kind of Par for the course, I would say at this point. uh For the, for well, the ladies they've got the
2: good shooters, man. They've got you know they've got yeah,
1: they do, and a lot of them were open looks. I mean, the reality is the quality of most of the three point shots. There were a couple where it's just like you know you throw your hands up and there's nothing you can do. But but by and large, three pointers that they got and made were were ones that were clean looks for good shooters, as you mentioned. Um, so that continues to be a, a, a bugaboo for IU. Actually, held Iowa to lower two point shooting than uh, than three point shooting. So. You know, kind of a weird trend there. Uh, For IU's part, they did get to the line 23 times uh, on 66 field goal attempts. So, uh, another good free throw rate game for IU. Converted on 15 of those. Um, You know, Duran Davis was three of nine. So, really, you take out. He had six of the eight misses. Um, Thought that other guys did well. Robert Johnson got there four times. Juwan was there four times. Um, So, another encouraging sign. IU, from a three point shooting perspective, actually made eight of 21 from deep. So, uh, one of their better shooting performances of the season, and I think, for the most part, again, those were good looks. Um, you know, Hartman, as I mentioned, missed some uh, some good ones. Devonte hit one that was uh, one that was a you know really good shot off the catch. Hit another you know kind of prayer at the end of the shot clock that was uh, that was answered. Newkirk stepped into a into a good one in the second half, I believe. But uh, you know, Robert Johnson continued to struggle from there. Um, but IU did shoot the ball a little bit better from deep. Um, 14 assists, I think that doubled the total from the uh, from the Michigan game. Just 10 turnovers, so back onto a more positive trend there. Those 10 turnovers led to just 10 Iowa points, whereas Iowa's 18 turnovers led to 22 points for IU. Um, bench points were about even. Um, any other any, any other numbers, Ryan? As I just kind of you know rattle off some of these, any any of these really stand out to you? Anything that I did not hit that you thought was Uh, particularly meaningful in
2: the game did you just took them all no uh i would say i one (laughs) one that stood out to me when i looked at the box score and um i guess i probably should have figured this because they never lost they were never behind in the second half even though iowa made it close was indiana led for 34 minutes and 52 seconds of the game um whereas and iowa had it for four minutes and six seconds so this was a game where indiana played from ahead and you know, even though Iowa made it close, I felt like Indiana controlled the game from the outset. And I'm not sure how many games we've seen Indiana really control a game that much um, this year. Maybe you know, maybe one or two others, but this was against a Big Ten opponent. And and look, it's it, it, the other statistic I'll say is they're one to zero at home in the Big Ten, and, and they're one and one in the Big Ten with what we all knew was going to be a tough task going to Michigan following that Duke game and following you know, Michigan getting hammered and, and an early morning start and all that stuff. Galen and I talked about it this weekend. We talked about it before the show that was going to be a tough test and maybe don't judge them by that. Uh, so to turn around and and get your first win in the conference, um, it's good, especially because you're playing this conference game so early in the season, you don't know what teams are going to be like. Uh, you figure maybe Iowa catches fire later in the year and gets better. It's good to get it to rack up a win against them. Uh, and you know, and and put yourself off to a good stuff. I mean, one and one is a, looks a lot better than zero and two at this point. So they get a week off, and then they get to they get to play this weekend. So uh, it, it, just getting this win out of the way, one and one in the conference that's that's a big stat to me.
1: Well, especially for one that's you know right in the middle of the stretch that that I you know this is kind of smack dab in the middle of it with Duke and Michigan before, and then Louisville and uh, you know Notre Dame still to come. So. Uh, yeah, definitely a big one for these guys to get. Um, a couple other, other numbers I just saw, 11 steals for IU and six blocks. I think that speaks to the activity level defensively. Um, really, really harassed Iowa into some turnovers in the first half. Uh, they ended up with 18 turnovers for the game compared to those 10 that I mentioned for IU. Uh, and just from a, I guess from a, a team perspective, you look down the, the list here individually, you've got six, I think, no, actually seven guys who scored at least six points um looks like five guys who grabbed at least five rebounds so you know a, a real group effort and i think on the boards tonight for sure I, since you ended up playing small decent amount of the time since you know Duron only played those 18 minutes um did have to be a you know, rebound by committee situation with uh you know both both guards Newkirk and johnson grabbing seven rebounds over the course of the game uh second on the team behind uh behind juan morgan so yeah uh, you I, know I, a lot I... of people contributed
2: I think one more thing worth mentioning is as you said Iowa finished the game on a 9-0 run. This was 77-55 before garbage time. And, and and what's funny is that last year if Indiana scored 77 points they were probably losing the game. Uh, you know at least at least that would feel like it if you told me before the game. So really happy with that defensive effort against an Iowa team that can get up and down the floor uh, Indiana punished them for those 18 turnovers and and forced a lot of those 18 turnovers and you know made it a difficult game for a team that can really score offensively when they get in the flow
1: yep i agree all right well, coming up on the assembly call we continue our breakdown of IU 77 to 64 win over Iowa that's next here on the assembly call stick with us The Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game and every Thursday night on our YouTube channel, youtubecom call You can also view all of our live broadcasts right on our homepage at AssemblyCall.com. I'm Andy Bottoms here with Ryan Phillips, and we are breaking down Indiana's 77-64 win against Iowa. And Ryan, we've we spent the better part of the uh, of the first segment really touching on how well the front court played. Did not touch at all on the backcourt, and and while um, you know, none of those guys led the team in scoring. The top three scorers were the, the trio of front-court players we talked about already. Uh, a lot of positive contributions from from those guys. Let's start with Devontae Green, who I thought really gave a good spark in the first half. I think he had 10 at the break, ended up with 12 points and 4 assists uh, for, the, uh, for the game in its entirety. Uh, and he's been a guy who's been up and down. I think you saw some of that uh, in the first half, but you also saw... Um, The reason that he needs to play because he can just simply do things that other guys on this roster can't do in terms of creating shots and uh, and some of the plays he made. How how would you assess his performance uh, off the bench tonight?
2: Yeah, I really like I, I thought it was actually his best game in a while. I thought that, you know, he hit two out of four from three. One of them, one of the misses was ill advised. Uh, one of the makes was actually probably ill advised too, but it was, uh, it came, you know, late in the shot clock. But four of eight from the field, you'll take that with Devontae. Uh, two rebounds, four assists, probably a few hockey assists in there too, where he moved the ball to somebody who moved the ball for an assist. Um, really did a great job of ball handling. And we know what he's going to give you defensively. He's just all effort defensively. In 25 minutes to give that is a very efficient performance. Um, he's still feeling his way around this, uh, you know, around this whole college basketball thing. Uh, but at the same time, I think that uh, we're starting to be able to see at least that he's he's super reliable defensively. And when he has a good game offensively, Indiana typically has a good game offensively. So he can make a lot happen for you on the offensive end. And I thought he did that tonight, uh, whether it was just when things were stagnant, you know, dribbling into the paint, kicking it out just to make the defense work, make the defense move. And then of course, finding guys with passes. I mean, he has, he has better vision than anyone else on the team. I think that's, you know, abundantly clear at this point. Um, and that's not to knock anyone else on the team. I think demonte really has great vision and, and, uh, is impressive. So, uh, we'll see what he how he comes out. Let's see if he can get back to back really solid performances. You know, this weekend against Louisville is going to be a test and uh we'll see how he plays uh you know against a certainly an, a bigger opponent in a bigger game, I think. Um and hopefully he can put together back-to-back solid performances.
1: Yeah, what do you I, you know, I think I'll kind of tie this in a little bit with Al Durham before we get to the senior guards, but um you know, Al started again today. Thought he you know, it struggled a bit. Um, you know, ended up with seven points and, and two rebounds. Did hit a big three in the first half. Had one turnover and a steal. Um, I, I think it kind of. I guess my question is is more around which of those guys do you think? Because it feels like at this point one of them is going to start and one of them is going to come off the bench. I mean, barring
2: and they feel pretty interchangeable.
1: Yeah, Archie. Archie seems to be wanting to go with a three guard lineup, and maybe once Hartman's at a different place, maybe he. Beca- you know, physically, maybe he becomes a starter. But for the foreseeable future they're going to start three guards and it feels like newkirk and johnson are kind of cemented in there how do you assess which of of durham and green should start is green a guy who you know i think he's come in and and almost played better off the bench i don't know if i have any numbers whatsoever that back that up but um wanted to kind of get your thoughts on on how you think those guys shake out and, and maybe which is is better suited to start and which is better suited to come off the bench
2: well, I think that right now you like what Green can give you because he gives you some bounce off the bench. and And th- that's not to say that he's necessarily playing worse than Durham that I want him on the bench. But I think that what he's giving you off the bench is actually a lift. I mean, he played more than Durham tonight. and And I don't think it really, as you know, we've talked about this for a long time. I'm definitely of the Archie Miller School of it doesn't matter who starts. It matters who plays the most and it matters who finishes the game. And I think that tonight, Green was the better guy and he played three more minutes than Durham. Um, Maybe that earns him a start next week. I don't know. But I think that there's continuity in the lineup uh, with Durham out there, uh, you know, uh, going for a couple games. I think that I like Durham's aggressiveness offensively. I like his length defensively too. And and that's the length defensively is something that Green doesn't have. Um, But at the same time, Green played better tonight. He just did, offensively especially. Uh, Durham's always going to give you a great effort defensively, and I think Green always is too. So I think what separates them is is offensively. But I I think that Green is more interchangeable with Newkirk than he is with Durham because he's the guy who is going to be ball handling more. And who is gonna try and get everybody in the right spot and make some plays for you? And I feel like that's becoming Newkirk's thing. I I like what Josh Newkirk can do in transition when he gets out and runs, uh, whether it's pat, it's giving the ball up or uh, finishing. So I think that you know it's one of those two guys I think are more interchangeable than necessarily Durham and Green because what Durham gives you defensively is a second guy who could do what Robert Johnson does, and that's and that's defend a really good perimeter player. Sure, he's a freshman. He's going to make mistakes. He's going to get lost at times. Um, but at the same time, what he can give you de- uh, defensively with that length and that aggressiveness it, it isn't found a whole lot of spots on this roster. So um, uh, he can guard one through three, I think, pretty pretty easily. And uh, he's shown himself to be a solid rebounder. Although a guy like Newkirk and Johnson both pulled in seven rebounds tonight, which was huge.
1: Yeah, I think you know Durham. He only shot three of seven. I didn't necessarily feel like he. You know, maybe a, one of the three pointers was not a great shot. I didn't yeah. feel like he took bad shots. I just didn't feel like he made no, I, shots, which uh, you know. And I love, which, I love his right-handed floater,
2: man. I love his right-handed floater. I love
1: it so Yeah, much. that one, that one hit every part of the rim and just did not go down. The one that he, the one they put up in traffic tonight. But talk, Josh Newkirk, Robert Johnson. Um, you know, these guys. Maybe I have a different appreciation after having manned the uh, assembly call Twitter account for the last few games. I might have a different appreciation for just how frustrated some fans are with these guys. Uh, after doing so, I did not really recommend it because it just really made me angry a couple couple cases. So um I will pass but, on doing that. yes, I definitely would pass on doing that. i only blocked one person, so I felt good about it. Um you know, New- both those guys, as you said, had seven rebounds. I thought were were really active in that part of the game. Newkirk finished with six points, uh only took five shots, two of five, one assist, one turnover, had a couple steals. Um second on the team with plus minus and I had plus twenty four. Uh and Robert oh, One turnover. Yep. That was, yeah, that, that was really the big thing with him. You know, struggled to convert on a couple shots at the rim, but um, I thought the three-pointer he hit was um, you know, kind of, I think that pushed the lead to eight when they went on the run uh, in the second half after a couple of those Juwan Morgan plays. Um, you know, Robert Johnson two of nine, shot six three-pointers, made just one of them, uh, hit all four of his free throws, did have three assists, which was second on the team behind Devontae. Uh, two turnovers and a steal. Um, you, you know, just I thought he shot more confidently. They didn't go in. Um, and to a certain extent, I was just glad to see him not hesitate when he was shooting, even though maybe that's just where we are with him right now. But I thought he was a bit more aggressive at times, hit another nice floater. want to see him continue to do that. I don't feel like any of the threes were forced, um, but just continues to struggle with the shot. But did other things, I thought, to really contribute to the game. Uh, still played well. Led the team in minutes the 32. Uh, any big takeaways from those guys for you, any, any Robert Johnson, uh, on the, on the shot from, from the resident shot doctor here at this point, he's
2: fading left on all of his shots. He's, he's, his whole body is drifting left on all of his shots. And that's, that's, uh, automatically, you know, if you, if you rise up and you fade left, your the ball is going to come off your hand. And it's going to go to the left and every time. And, and if you try it, what happens a lot of times is guys will do that and try and self-correct in the air and that leads to over undershooting it and and, you know basically your whole if you're a kid out there or a, a dad with a kid out there when you shoot you want your whole body square to the hoop and when you jump and land you should still be square to the hoop uh, you know, because that means that all of your momentum is moving towards the hoop and your whole body is, you're just relying on the break of your wrist, the release from your fingertips instead of having to self-correct or, you know, do any, create, put any crazy English on the ball or aim a little bit to the right or anything like that. If you square your shoulders, jump and land with your shoulders squared and you practice that and you work on that, even without a ball in your hand, just jump and land, jump and land, jump and land you'll drill it into yourself that your whole momentum is heading towards the hoop. And that is the way you need to shoot the ball. Um, Robert's not doing that right now. And, um, he's hesitating on his shot as well. I thought he did go up more confidently tonight. I think that's true. Uh, but I think his, his motion is elongated from what we've seen. And, and that's causing odd spin on the ball. That's causing, you know, all kinds of weird things with his body. I don't know if it was something where maybe he was banged up or injured in the off season and, and he just got into bad habits. Um, that is what it leads me to believe because this is not the motion we've seen from him before. He usually had a pretty solid, uh, shooting motion, but now it's completely off. And so I, I don't know what's going on there. I agree with you that there was, there were a lot of positives from his game tonight. The three assists, seven rebounds, four or four from the free throw line. He's making his free throws, So that is a positive that his release is probably okay. Now he's got to work on the rest of his body during a shot. And I'd like to see him going to the rim more. Um, because if you can't shoot the three, at least get into the get into the paint and get fouled. Um, but one thing I thought was was great from he and and Newkirk both is they combined to play sixty minutes and between the two of them committed one personal foul and only turned it over three times. Uh, that's pretty big for sixty minutes for guys who were ball handling a lot. So I thought those were great numbers and and kind of made up for the deficiency in scoring a little bit.
1: Yep, I'd agree. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. I'm Andy Bottoms here with Ryan Phillips, breaking down Indiana's 77-64 to win over Iowa and to get their first uh, Big Ten win of the season and move to one and one uh, You know, Ryan, we haven't talked um, a whole lot about the bench, and I'll kind of bring this up in general. Uh, Zach McRoberts, I-, I thought, gave him some good minutes off the bench, actually took a, a confident drive to the hoop um, and-, and scored there. I uh, thought he gave some good minutes. Um, Justin Smith played a little, you know, played just seven minutes, but that was a little bit more I feel like than what we've seen from him uh, of late. Those are really the the other two guys off the bench. Um, anything, you know, I think McRoberts like and Galen talked about this a lot. I think he's going to continue to earn minutes at this point, and certainly the transfer of Curtis Jones is going to do little to, uh, you know, curtail the minutes that he started to gain. Um, but what about Justin Smith? He's a guy who. Played a lot in the in the non conference. uh, I think was a a beneficiary of Colin Hartman being banged up. Hasn't played a lot lately. Uh, And I thought tonight, uh, you know, a number of people mentioned this. Just seemed kind of afraid to make a mistake. Seemed a little more tentative. Didn't quite, you know, with the exception of that that dunk attempt. Didn't really seem quite like the guy that um, we'd seen. we were talking about Justin Smith. Yeah, Justin Smith. Yeah, Um, yeah. Just didn't didn't feel like he was quite as as confident. Got himself really like way behind the basket on one of the shots that he took. Um, anything you've seen from him in recent games, Do you think it's just playing fewer minutes and then putting more pressure on himself when he does get in the game or I think that's what it is. Uh, is it's maybe a, not that simple.
2: No, I, I think that's what it is. I think he's a freshman who maybe didn't play a little bit. Maybe he's, you know, he's, he's probably never expended this much energy in his life as far as practice and, you know, class and all that. Sometimes it's a simple explanation. You know, he's going to class, he's working really hard in practice. He's, you know, working out, doing all this stuff. Uh, you know, that he hasn't probably done before. Playing more games, traveling, you know, all the all these little things that guys do when they're first there. And then, you know, he's probably dialing back playing a little bit. Uh he's probably not practicing as well as he would like to, or or as he was when he was fresh uh early in the season. He's probably got some bumps and bruises like everybody on the team does at this point. Uh, and he probably is now not practicing as well. Therefore, when he does get in, Uh, he's, he's playing for your minutes and therefore when he does get in, he's trying to do too much or trying to, you know, rein in his game or trying to, you know, and he's just thinking too much. And this is what freshmen do. They get on campus. Some of them explode. I'm not talking to freshmen who are going to be lottery picks are in a different plane than a guy like Justin Smith. And, and, and and I mean, lottery picks after their first year, he has come in, he's he's taken a lot of information, you know, going to class, doing all this stuff. And it's, it just will weigh you down. And, and, and you start thinking too much when you're on the court, you start thinking too much. And when you th- you overthink b- basketball becomes complicated when you can just play without thinking and just react, basketball becomes much easier. And so I think we're just seeing him hit a bit of a freshman wall. Um, he'll probably catch a second wind, maybe having a week off will help, you know, pretty much having a week off before Louisville will help. Um, but you know, you're going to see these guys, these freshmen sort of go through that and hit the wall a little bit, come back, hit the wall. Um and that's just natural for freshmen. So I'm not concerned about it at all. I think it's just, you know, he only had seven, he only played seven minutes tonight. uh, And it was like you said, oh, four, two rebounds and assist uh, and a turnover. That's all he could do on the score sheets. So uh, he'll be fine. I'm not, I'm not too worried about it. I think that it's just sort of that typical freshman thing where you're, you know, in and out a little bit of the lineup. You've got a lot going on and you're just trying, you just maybe losing focus and thinking a little bit too much.
1: Well, and I think in some ways, you know, having Hartman back uh, has, has helped the team in a number of reasons, but I think it, it helps them not to have to rely on Smith quite as much. I mean, there were some of those early games where they really they needed him to play well, um, and, and he, he did step up in a number of those games. So I think he'll get it figured out, but I do think probably an adjustment for him just knowing he's got fewer minutes, you know, game in and game out now that, uh, now that Colin's back. Coming up in our final segment of this edition of the Assembly Call, we hand out our game balls, look ahead to Indiana's next opponent, and then deliver our final thoughts on Indiana's 77-64 win over Iowa in last call. That's next here on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. listening to the assembly call iu post game show i'm andy bottoms here with ryan phillips and we are wrapping up our breakdown of iu's 77 64 win over iowa Uh, we're going to start with our game balls Uh, ryan i will let you go first i think um you know galen did made and some would say made a mistake in uh in letting you go first in a game in which you know arguably only one player was really worthy of such an honor um, but, uh, tonight in a night when I thought a number of guys would be there, I'm more than willing to, uh, to share with you, but let me, let me put this out there. Had I been doing the Michigan game, I absolutely would have taken Juwan Morgan first and then let you figure out whether you wanted to take him. It was, it it was a beginner's
2: mistake for Galen. Beginner's mistake for Galen. Don't ever set well, to, up with an easy task. Yeah.
1: Well, to be honest, when I was writing the email, when we have the like, you know, the game ball or the player of the game, and then like the wingman, I was I really had a hard time figuring out who to give the wingman went to to a point yeah. where I nearly just wrote down Juwan Morgan again, but uh, I ended up going the same route that you guys did. So, yeah, I'll let Juwan you go Morgan's- first. Again because I don't want to hear you complain about not getting the opportunity.
2: Yeah, my pick this time, I'm going to leave Juwan Morgan for you if you would like him since you let off with him. I'm going to go with Colin Hartman. I thought uh, 20 minutes, which is great to see from him starting to maybe stretch him out a little bit uh, and, and play a little bit more. And That's 20 minutes also when you know, a lot of the guys were off the floor with two minutes left. So it could have been even more, uh, 13 points, four of nine from the field, three of six from three hit both his free throws, five rebounds and assist and no turnovers in 20 minutes. I thought that he also settled everybody down, got everybody involved, did all the Colin Hartman things. You see chase some rebounds, um, really got his teammates involved. Um, and I, and I thought, his points all came at spots where Indiana either needed it or his last, like his last three really stuck the dagger in, uh, uh, Iowa. Um, I thought that he he just shows up in important moments and plays very well. And, and there's nothing you can, you know, you can't say anything better about a player than the fact that, he shows up when he's most needed and he rarely disappoints you. And and, um, I I thought that that was a great game for Colin. I thought it was maybe his, probably his best since he's been back and hopefully, you know, he's just going to keep building on it.
1: Yeah, I would have been, I would have been happy to go with, uh, with Hartman. uh, Had he been, had he been available here? I did think he was fantastic. I thought he was just, you know, played really well when, uh, when they went zone, he played in the middle of that zone, made a lot of good decisions. Um, that led to, like I said, I was surprised he only ended up with two assists according to the box score that we saw. Um, but I thought that his just general stat line was, was reflective of how active he was on both ends of the floor. But I will go with Morgan, um, thought he, he deserved the honor as well. I mean, when you look at his last six games, uh, really has played, played well in, in the vast majority of those. So if you go back to the South Florida game, 15 points, 10 rebounds, then follow that up with 28 points and eight rebounds against Arkansas state only had seven. In the Eastern Michigan game, which was a little bit, you know, with the zone, was a little bit odd uh, for him there. But had seven points there. Then Duke, fourteen and six. Michigan, twenty-four and eight. And then tonight, fifteen and ten. Um, just continues to play well and really in key spots when IU needs somebody to make a play to make a basket. Uh, in the case of the Michigan game, to really keep IU competitive. Um, and in the case of the game tonight to to build a little bit of that cushion back up and really get the ball rolling uh, in the way that it needed to go. Um, I I thought that that he did that again tonight and really is coming into his own, as you said earlier, not necessarily the most vocal guy when you kind of do comparisons of, you know, he and Hartman and and some of the other folks on the team, but uh, certainly leading by example, playing different, you you know, able to somebody you could put in in bigger lineups and smaller lineups uh, and really just getting it done on both ends of the floor.
2: Yeah, I think that that's the perfect uh, way to sum it up. He's just getting it done on both ends of the floor and being reliable. And he's a guy you can turn to in any situation and know he's going to be there for you.
1: All right. So up next for IU is the game against Louisville on uh, on Saturday. I think it's an afternoon tip. I don't know exactly when the tip is. I'll look that up here in a minute. But uh, when you look at two, two o'clock, two o'clock Eastern um, in in Louisville. So um, you know you look at Louisville. Coming into the season, obviously take all the other off-the-court stuff out of the mix. Um, That's certainly, you know, kind of a cloud hanging over what's going to happen there. They got off to a 4-0 start, didn't really play anybody. And so they went on the road against Purdue in the Big Ten ACC Challenge, provided one of the Big Ten's only victories in that. And they actually played pretty, pretty well. I'm not sure that the nine-point final deficit reflects, uh, you know, how close that game actually was. And then they lost at home to Seton Hall over the weekend, a good Seton Hall team, as, as IU fans know from having played them earlier in the season. So, um, you know, one of those were a little bit hard to get a read on just how good Louisville is. They lost two tough, their two toughest games, uh, but neither of those is a bad loss by any means. And then when you look over who they beat, you know, they got a, a couple, you know, 11 point wins over, or they got an 11 point win over George Mason, nine point win over Omaha, uh, doubled up Southern Illinois, 84 to 42, and then uh, beat St. Francis of Pennsylvania by 12. So, a little bit tough to say. I mean, statistically, they profile really well defensively, which is a surprise to no one at this point. They're 12th, as I look at the Kenpo numbers right now, in, uh, in adjusted uh, defensive efficiency. So that will obviously be a challenge for IU. Um, kind of middle of the pack from a turnover perspective, which may allow everybody to exhale just ever so slightly. Um, but they've done a good job of not putting opponents on the line. They have a pretty solid defensive free throw rate one of the keys that, that's been there for IU throughout the season. And they are in the top 40 in both three-point and two-point defense. So IU is going to have to find a way to score uh, in the game. And that probably is a frightening thought for a team that struggled so much uh, to put the ball in the basket against Michigan. Um, high block rate for for Louisville as well. they got a number of big guys inside who can really block shots and protect their rim. So finishing yeah, there, be- drawing fouls, is going to be of extreme importance um, because if IU gets into a situation where they have to rely on their outside shooting, while it was great to see him hit eight tonight, I'm not sure that's a, a basket that everybody wanna put, wants to put a lot of eggs into uh, at this point, for sure. Um, offensively, Louisville is uh, currently 57th as I look at this on Ken Palm. I'm sure that'll change by the time people listen to this. Um, nothing really stands out uh, on it from an offensive standpoint. Uh, both three-point and two-point shooting percentages are not all that great. haven't gotten to the free-throw line a great deal and, and just kind of right around the top 100 in offensive rebounding percentage and turnover percentage. So. Um, will be a test for IU's defense in the sense that Louisville certainly has a very athletic team and, and a lot of different guys that you got to account for, whether that's Dengadel, um, or, you know, BJ King, some of the guys that they have on the, more on the perimeter, uh, or, uh, you know, Ray Spalding and, uh, an mood inside. So, um, some interesting pieces there will be, it will certainly be a challenge, another tough road environment for IU. Uh, Juwan Morgan, I saw a quote from him after the game where he talked about, you know, one of the good things about these early big 10 games was it gave him a chance to, uh, you know, to go on the road and kind of measure themselves for where they were a little bit earlier than they might normally have. And, and while IU had gone on the road against Seton Hall, um, you know, being able to go to Michigan, I think was a, a, you know, while the result wasn't very good, as he said, if you kind of take it as a, as a measuring stick, maybe something that they can uh, really look back on and, and say they learned something from that game. So be interesting to see. It's certainly a tough game uh, against a Louisville team that was was thought of highly coming into the season. Aren't going to have Brian Bowen uh, because of all the FBI. Investigation and those kinds of things, but uh, you know, still some talent on the roster.
2: Wait, what FBI what? investigation?
1: I, yeah, I don't know if you heard about that. It's weird. Um, no, so they. Uh, but uh, certainly will provide a, a tough challenge defensively, and uh, it's one that you know IU is going to have to try to find ways to be efficient on offense. Certainly not not exaggerating that by turning the ball over, uh, and maybe they can get some of the guys in the foul trouble by really playing through the post in, in Duran. Uh, and we'll certainly need another big game from Juwan Morgan, who has come through over these last few games, as I mentioned. But it uh, should, be, should be a good game, the, uh, the second of the series against Louisville. So we will uh, we will see how it goes. We'll be back to uh, talk about that game after it is over on Saturday. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. And remember that because you're an Assembly Call listener, you get 15% off of your entire order at HoosierProud.com. So if you want officially licensed IU gear, one of our Assembly Call logo T-shirts, or one of Hoosier Proud's unique Indiana-inspired designs, Visit HoosierProud com and use the promo code Assembly at checkout. That's HoosierProud com promo code Assembly for fifteen percent off your entire order. I'm Andy Bottoms here with Ryan Phillips, and it's time for last call. Ryan, what is your uh, last call on IU's win over Iowa?
2: Yeah, just a great win tonight for for Indiana. The way they did it. I don't. You know, it's not that beating Iowa is a huge accomplishment, but to have so much success in the first half, and a lot of people are saying, "Hey, that's IU's best half of the season." And then to all of a sudden have it all collapse at the beginning of the second half, and have it be a one point game, and then turn it on and just batter, uh, just batter Iowa into submission. Uh, You know, have it be a one point game, and then go on a thirty four to seven run over the next sixteen minutes until you start pulling your starters. uh, Was a pretty nice exhibition by by uh, Archie's team, just to you know sort of show that hey, you know what, we can take a punch and we can fire back and we can. You know, really learn what we're doing wrong, adjust, fix it in the middle of a game, and go. We don't have to go back and watch film to learn what we did wrong. We can kind of fix it on the go, and I think that's important, and that's going to be important to Big Ten play, um, as I've said repeatedly, and I'll say it again: Don't judge this team until late December, but we're starting to sort of get an idea of what an Archie Miller coach team is going to look like at in Indiana, and and it it's starting to come away. We're starting to come with very positive impressions of what this team can do and, and and hopefully replicate moving forward.
1: And for me, this was a lot about how how IU was going to turn around and react to that loss at Michigan. I think everybody was disappointed after the way they played in the Duke game. You know, I thought Archie Miller's comments after that game were fantastic about, you know, we didn't beat Duke. Um, But everybody was feeling pretty good about that. And I didn't think the team, uh, responded all that well to that situation in a in an albeit a road game against the Big Ten team, but um, that was coming off of a, a bad you know a bad uh, loss from a margin perspective of its own. Um, but I thought they responded well tonight. Got off to a good start. Um, got out in front, and then the two teams kind of you know traded traded blows there for a little while before that big run to end the half. Um, and I think IU also responded within this game from that run that I would put on them at the beginning of the second half. And while that was certainly less than ideal. They were able to turn things around and, um, and 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 play well. I think it just goes back to you know what they are continuing to learn. Just the, the level at which they have to play all the time um, for a team that just doesn't have a lot of margin for error. And I think that's you know continues to be a big takeaway from these games is they just can't afford bad performances from too many players. And I thought tonight the effort level during those stretches was was really good and hopefully helps them to understand what they need to do in those in those stretches that it has to be that way all the time, and and hopefully that's something that they carry over uh, to the game against Louisville. They've got a few days off, which I think will be nice after a pretty, uh, you know, a, a number of quick turnarounds there, so they've got, you know, five days off before they play again, then a week, uh, I think, for finals before they play Notre Dame, so some time to actually get in practice. I think that's one of the things that this Big Ten schedule has done that, uh, you know, probably hasn't been mentioned enough. We all just kind of complain about what it looks like. I think what it what it has done, though, is limited some of the practice time. They're jamming all these games in uh, into a pretty quick, uh, pretty short time period. And so the ability to go and actually correct a bunch of this stuff and really practice hard on some of the things that the team needs to get better on has been uh, impacted by that a bit. So uh, hopefully these these few days will give them some opportunity to do that, give guys a little bit of rest, and uh, they'll come back and, and be able to build on this performance. But continue to like the fact that we come on here and talk about how well the veteran guys have played by and large, certainly led by uh, tonight, Juwan Morgan and Colin Hartman, we played really well in the front court, and uh, and be interested to see if those guys can uh, carry over their uh, their their solid play together. Because I think there'll be plenty of times against Louisville, they'll be on the floor together because they can take care of the basketball and really battle inside. So we will uh, we'll see if they can build on this. But I think a good good you know good thing for IU to get its first Big Ten win, get a win out of this tough stretch of games, and they split the Big Ten games. I think if they can split these two games against Louisville and uh, and Notre Dame coming up, I think everybody's going to feel pretty good coming out of this. Uh, out of this five-game stretch with a, a solid performance against Duke and then split in the other two games. I think everybody would feel pretty good about that heading into the end of the non-conference season. So that will do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call IU post game show. Remember that our live broadcast immediately following every IU game are always available on our homepage at assemblycall.com and our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash assemblycall. And you can always catch up on demand anytime with our podcast. Just search for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com to join our free email newsletter. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again on Thursday for Assembly Call Radio and then again on Saturday after IU Louisville. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim and go Hoosiers.
0: Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of the assembly call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com slash support that lists five ways that you can support the assembly call. And We encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. We appreciate it. Thank you. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over 250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player plan. Avoid upfront fees that cripple businesses with IBM Cloud. Bare Metal on IBM Cloud rents out dedicated servers by the hour or month. Customize over 11 million different configurations.
2: Deploy on demand. Get unlimited inbound bandwidth. Plus 24-7 support and 20 terabytes of outbound bandwidth cost-free. And when's the last time you checked IBM Cloud bare metal prices? They're now more comparable than ever. The better bare metal is IBM Cloud. Visit ibm.biz slash bare metal servers today and see for yourself.